isn't my most basic hope that someone likes me enough? And isn't it my most basic fear that if you really know me, you won't like me at all? Now, some of you may say, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone. I don't need to be liked. I'm a self-made whatever. And I would say to that, your customers still need to like you. And even if you truly are a prickly person, like horribly prickly, even if you are a porcupine, porcupines even want someone to like them at least once a year. Just think about it. I was on holiday, Right American Dirt by Janine Cummings, not because Oprah recommended it, but because Linda did. Linda Axvig, Keith and Linda, uh, they summer in Minnesota, they winter in Texas, but really it's part of their mission. They, they work with the poorest of the poor along the Texas-Mexican border. And American Dirt, she's like, you got to read this book. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And so I was on holiday and I read it. And maybe not the best book to read on holiday, um, but long story short, it deals with this woman, Lydia Perez and her son, Luca, and how they are uh, in, in really the wake of cartel violence. And, and, and they want to escape this because otherwise their lives will be forfeit. And, and so it chronicles their journey to get to American Dirt. And it's an intriguing, intriguing, intriguing book. Verse 18 of chapter 33. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. It was a number of years ago that we were going through the book of Psalms and we came to Psalm chapter 33 and we made this observation, okay? And while we're only focusing on the last few verses today, the 22 verses in Psalm 33 begin with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet, although they're not in Hebrew alphabet order. It's a psalm that is all about God, describing God, until verse 22 when the psalmist addresses God directly. And I think that there is this, this magic and this mystery and this challenge of the Advent season. And it invites the question, can we look beyond ourselves? Can we look beyond ourselves and want hope and dream? Wait for the work of God. Can we hope for something, the right thing, even though it feels far off? When we say we have hope, it's this, it's this idea, right? It's kind of a, it's kind of a, I don't know, in part, it's a, it's a bit of an expectation, I think. I think there's a, there's a, there's a desire for something to happen. There's a, a, a belief, a, an expectation, a desire for something to happen, to experience something, maybe for the first time. Maybe experiencing something in a unique and different way. Maybe experiencing something in an increasing measure. Psalm 33, verse 18 through 22. We've already read part of it. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. 
Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope for you. The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. Now, it's not an idea along the lines of, I'm going I'm to I'm keep my eye on you, okay? And often, especially with this first verse, often we take this first verse and, and, and we think in our brains of the punitive aspect, okay? We think of a punitive aspect rather than a gracious, loving aspect. And so we look at the eye of God being on us, or we look at the fear of God, and we think punitive, that God is punitive, it's not a case of God saying, I'm going to keep my eye on you, waiting for you to screw up. It's a case of God saying, no, I'm going to watch out for you. I'm going to be in tune to where you're going and what you're doing, and I'm going to watch out for you. I'm going to keep my eye focused on you, not in a punitive way, but in a gracious way. The psalmist expresses it, steadfast love. We've attempted, I think, to sanitize some of these words or move in the wrong direction. So we, we either go on this side of it, okay, or we go on this side of it. And we try to, at Timberwood Church, kind of go like, okay, wh where's the middle ground that can frequently get you in trouble, right? Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. And to be sure, the idea of fear has this notion of reverential fear, but there's also present the, the transcendent nature of God, right? God being above and over all, that God is above everything, and that one should at least be willing to acknowledge the reality that God should be feared. It's kind of like rock climbing, right? Okay? You want to place your protection well so the ground does not rise up and smite thee. But it doesn't mean you won't go rock climbing. Or, or it's the respect a chemist might have combining two elements, okay? You, you want to be careful because the two elements combined improperly could be, you know, violent. But, but these examples fall short, right? Because they're uh, making the assumption of a punitive God. God is not punitive. God will seek justice, but when we talk about God, we, we have to start with the creator who creates. We have to start with the creator who loves. And so we have this, behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, steadfast love, the total commitment to the betterment of another person. Our hope is based on the fact that God is completely committed to our betterment to my betterment, to your betterment. And some doubt this, right? And I get it. Sometimes it's easy to look at life. You read the book, American Dirt, and it's searing. I mean, it is absolutely searing. It left me weeping. It's easy to look at life and wonder if this is what life is like. How does God's love fit into this? And I think 
that if you're in one of those positions where you're asking God that question, God can handle the question. There's nothing wrong with asking the question. Here's what I do know. In moments of sober and simple judgment, as, as I think about it for myself, I know that there are others who have risked more, who have hoped for more, and were sustained by something very, very powerful. Something that for me is still a bit of a mystery. The reality that God does love beyond our ability. The reality that God does love beyond our ability to completely understand. That in a breath, God's love is far too complex for us to ever completely wrap our arms around. But in the same breath, I would say, God does love and we have the ability to understand because we have the ability to experience I encountered the reality of Mother Teresa again. It was a speech that Pope John Paul II had given on 20 October 2003. Where did Mother Teresa find the strength to place herself completely at the service of others? The Pope asked the question. She found it in prayer and in the silent contemplation of Jesus Christ. She herself said, The fruit of silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer is faith. The fruit of faith is love. The fruit of love is service. The fruit of service is peace. I get that the world can be a really messed up place. And I get that there's stuff that happens in our life that make us question. And yet there are these examples throughout our history of these individuals who in a compelling and powerful way have loved and graciously extended themselves because they were following Jesus Christ to fear and love, to hope in God's steadfast love. Verse 20, our soul waits for the Lord. Sometimes the waiting truly is the hardest part. Can we wait for what God wants to do? And then it invites a question, what happens when we get, wait and we still don't get what we want? Have you ever waited for something? You wanted something really, 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 really bad. You were certain you should have it and you never got it? What happens if it just wasn't like the newest little bobble that the world says we should have? What happens when it was something really, really pure? I started this biography on Frederick Douglass, okay? It's thick. Some of you are like, no thanks. There's a lot of footnotes, okay, so I'll give you that. And just so you know, if a book has footnotes, that's usually a pretty good thing. Frederick Douglass, he preached and he taught and he lived and he, and he hoped. He really hoped for something that never came true. 
while we're waiting? Can we wait and take the chance at being disappointed in what we get? And can we still wait? Can we still hope for something that we truly want, even though it may be far off? And what if in our waiting, we're making the thing we are waiting for far too complex? What if it should be waiting for something that is far more simple? And can I wait, right? Can I wait thinking that sometimes doesn't it seem like God is a little late? Ever thought that? Ever thought, God, why didn't you do this yesterday or last week or six months ago? You know, when you're in the soup and everything seems off, it's weird, it's unpredictable, and you're just trying to figure it out, maybe even poorly trying to figure it out. And you fight and you question and you wonder, and then just one day the thought comes that brings clarity to that which you were facing. And you have the thought, why didn't I have this thought six months ago? God, why did you wait so long to give me this thought? Why did you wait so long to change the circumstance that I am experiencing? And yet I can also say that struggle, that that weird, that unpredictable, that having gone through it and now on the other side of it, that the hope and the steadfast love of God, the hope in the relationship with God, is not only there, but it's so much closer, so much more profound. And I think that's the witness, right? That's the manifesto. That's the experience that those who follow God can say. That God continues to be a stand-up relational partner even when the world is crazy. And maybe right now you're being invited to wait. Maybe there's something that we need to learn. Maybe there's something that we need to experience. And what my experience shows me is how I can really say it's become easier for me to wait. It's become easier for me to hope. It's become easier for me to fear God. It's been easier for me to experience the steadfast love of God and all that that means than it was six months ago. And I found that if I can just, if I can just slow down, if I can just breathe, if I can just be a little bit more intentional, if I can place myself where I can listen to God, not asking for things, not getting angry, literally putting myself in an attitude and a posture of solitude, getting away from the crazy, embracing the silence and listening to Him, 
that waiting becomes easier. Verse 21, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Trust, it's this complex thing, right? Or is it a simple thing? I mean, trust is something that any kid gets, right? A kid intuitively knows whether or not they can trust you or not trust you. And at times, I think we make trust too complex, right? Just become a kid, wonder at stuff, want stuff from your father. But it's the simple things, right? So often the things that we think that we want or the things that we need, or or, or maybe we wouldn't be willing to articulate it quite like that, but the things that we work so hard to produce aren't really the most important things. I mean, so often we're torn by the world around us, right? And the world says, hey, you should have this and this and this and this and this, right? And it ranges from possessions to power. Don't we believe that if those were really the most important things, If possessions or power or influence or political opinion, okay, if if those were really the most important things, don't you think God would provide for those? (laughs) Don't you think God would be like, if you trust in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you'll become the most powerful person in your community? Don't you think it would say that? I mean, if that was the most important thing. And and likewise, if possessions were the most important thing, don't you be like, hey, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're led by the power of the Spirit, you'll have all of the possessions you'll ever need in your life. I mean, honestly, don't we think that, that if those things were truly important, the most important, don't we think that a loving God would provide a mechanism for those things to flow into our lives? And I'm not saying we shouldn't enjoy the stuff we have. No, I have more stuff than I need, more stuff than I deserve. But what a loving God provides is not a pathway to riches or power or influence or any of the other matrices that the world defines as success. What a loving God provides is a pathway to being in relationship with him. Verse 33, 22, rather, of chapter 33. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. You may disagree with the question, is it my most basic hope that someone likes me enough? And you might disagree with the question, isn't my most basic fear that if you really know me, you won't like me? But if that hope and that fear isn't at the top of the list, it's pretty close. 
that even for those of us that are a little more introverted, that are a little more prickly, that don't want too many people too close. I can say it's still my most basic hope that someone, even if it's one person, likes me enough. And yeah, it's my most basic fear that if you really know me, if you really knew what rattled around in this brain, if you really knew the dark thoughts that come in the middle of the night, you'd be like, stay away from that dude. And into those realities for me, and maybe they're true for you, the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ enters in during the Advent season. And Jesus says, not only, not only do I like you enough, I like you enough to be your Savior. And the Savior says, there's nothing that you can do that'll make me pull away. There's nothing you can do that will make me not like you. And to me, that is a powerful sense of hope and belonging and love and trust. And yeah, I'm willing to wait for all that God wants to do and all that will yet be accomplished. Please pray with me. Father, at times, at times our experience of life seems almost too much. And if we're here this morning and it's almost too much, we cry out to you and say, How long, O oh Lord? And we wait, and we hope, and we ask for your grace, and we ask for your peace. And we commit to listen, and we commit to trust, and we commit to hope. And we commit to being in a relationship with you and experiencing your love, your commitment to our betterment. Father, thank you for this Advent season that draws our hearts to the gift that you provided in your Son. Thank you for this Advent season to remind us of the most important things. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. <laughs>